you used to get up um, in the meetings, you would smile and act like you were happy about the numbers. So I thought they must be great. I had no idea what you were saying. But then you were smiling. I thought, great. Uh, Jenny's happy. What she's saying must be good. Uh, but she said, but this time when you put the dollar up there, I actually understood what you were talking about. I could understand the business, that breakdown, like you taught us in the class of a dollar, something everyone can wrap their brain around. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, formerly known as Improv is No Joke, where it's all about believing that strong communication skills are the best way in delivering your technical accounting knowledge and growing your business. An effective way of building stronger communication skills is by embracing the principles of applied improvisation. Your host is Peter Margaritas, CPA, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant, and he will interview financial professionals and business leaders to find their secret in building stronger relationships with their clients, customers, associates, and peers, all the while growing their businesses. So let's start the show. Welcome to Episode 6. And my guest today is Jenny Shield, CFO of Five Nines Technology Group, located in Omaha, Nebraska. I met Jenny last year when she attended my seminar titled Financial Storytelling. After the seminar, she sent me an email with a nice compliment about the class and was inquiring if I knew of any great summaries that I could share with her that take accounting data and turn it into a powerful story. At the time, I had not run across any, but I did suggest that I'd be willing to help her in developing her story for the organization in exchange for using this exercise as a case study for my book, Taking the Numb Out of Numbers, Explaining and Presenting Financial Information with Confidence and Clarity. Well, this is the basis for our conversation, and without further ado, let's get to the interview with Jenny Shield. It is so great to have you on my podcast. I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. Thank you so very much for carving out some time in your very busy, hectic schedule. You're welcome. Thank you for asking me to join you. We met last year at a Nebraska Society CPA event. And in full transparency, in my upcoming book, Taking the Numb Out of Numbers, Jeannie allowed me to do a case study. At, at her organization and, and the role that she plays as CFO within this organization. And we're going to have that kind of dis- a little bit of that discussion right now. But before we get into that, if you, if you could give the audience a little bit of background of yourself and your role at Five Nines. So I am the CFO of Five Nines Technology Group. We are an outsourced IT company. So we are the IT department for many small and mid sized companies. And we mainly focus on business in Nebraska. And I have the privilege of overseeing the accounting here. And also, I am currently in charge of marketing in a few other areas, um, which is a really great, uh, well-rounded experience. So you wear many hats within your organization. Yes, many hats. Every day is a new adventure. <laughs> and I, I hear that all the time when I, when I interact with CFOs. It's like, are you just in charge of finance or accounting? They go, well, that's just one of the hats I wear. I've got HR or I've got IT reporting up to me as well. So you stay very, very busy. Very busy, yes. 
So at your organization, it's a technology company. You don't, you don't do like the big shiny objects. I think you described it at one point in time where you would go into a part of a construction process of, of like building an arena and go in and build that, infra, that IT infrastructure. You're more on the other side, the service side, working with small organizations, providing them their, their IT support. Correct. Yes, we used to do both. And now we found that um, our best skill set is being the IT department. So doing their day-to-day IT work, all of their projects and everything related to we are their IT department. And I imagine that's a lot easier on your workforce per se, uh, because of, I'm assuming once you do these like large projects, and you said that you tried to focus primarily in Nebraska, there might not be that many. And I would assume like planning and cash flow and aspects like that were, were a real challenge for you versus the way things run today. Right. It's better for uh, training of the staff so that they always have similar type of environment and understanding what our hiring process should be. We're way better able to understand what the workflow will be coming in from the new clients that we win versus the off-the-wall projects. Also, our our partnerships is the big thing that we focus on to ensure that we partner with companies. So if we're working with a bigger company just to come in and do a project, that's not a true partnership. So we come in, they beat us up, <laughs> and then we leave, and that's night and weekend work, you know, which is in, in line with our mission, which is um, to give everyone a nice work-life balance. Yes, and and having that project by project type of work, you know, it's kind of a little bit kind of what I do because there's times that, you know. There's something about accountants in the months of January, February, March, and April that they really don't want to learn or be in that because they've got stuff going on and and planning that cash flow and trying to manage that can be somewhat of a challenge as well as affects the morale of the office. Right, exactly. We have three parts to our mission. One of them is to love what we do and be the best at it. And it was hard to be the best at that particular style of work um, and to truly love it. And, and you've been with the organization for how long? It'll be five years, the end of the I, month. What did you do before that? I was in charge of accounting department at a larger company in Lincoln. And then I worked at an accounting, um, in an accounting department for a global company. And I started my career off in public accounting. So who'd you work for public in public? BKD. Oh, BKD. Okay. Okay, cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so I always like to ask this question, for those who started their career in public accounting and have now moved to business and industry, mm-hmm. would, you ever, would you ever go back to public accounting? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, that, that's the, <laughs> I get that answer a lot. Every now and then someone will go, no, I'd go back. I, I, I kind of miss the diversity, mm-hmm. but I think... Right. There are lots of great things about working in public accounting. The diversity is one of them where it's great, where you can go in and help many different types and styles and sizes of businesses succeed versus just focusing on one, but also the demands and the travel of that career are also very challenging. Yes, it is very much so. And you, uh, you have a family and two small children, and and right. I know you, you like to vacation and, and all that good stuff. And that's a challenge when when you're working in public accounting versus an organization like yours. Very true. Your workforce. So when I think of IT, I, I don't think you're you're the only accountant CPA in the building, correct? I'm the only CPA in the building, correct? I have uh, an accounting team, so I have more accountants, but they are not CPAs. So your primary workforce. I think you told me at one point in time that they're, they're engineers. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Do you speak engineering? 
<laughs> reboot your computer <laughs> is the extent of my engineering skills. So I can tell them that I successfully rebooted my computer and the problem still occurs, so I have to escalate it. <laughs> <laughs> and so now you know to reboot and escalate. Reboot and escalate. Right. right. Yep, that's exactly my skill set. And the, and, and the rest of the organization doesn't speak accounting. They do not. Yeah. And I would, I would assume that that is a, a challenge in your day-to-day life working there is how do I communicate the complexities mm-hmm. in the financial information of this organization to those who do not speak the same language? Correct. That is a significant struggle. And, and in the past, what, what type of audience response have you gotten when you've had to present this information or or share this information to the other departments and department heads and and even to the owners? Well, I I don't love, or I used to definitely not love being in front of the room presenting. So my strategy was to get up there, put all my beautiful spreadsheets up there with lots of numbers, talk as fast as I could, smile, and then go sit down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and hope there was no questions. I would occasionally, even in meetings, sit down and say, "Just look at the numbers. Those are the important things." Uh, just you know, it was hard to communicate um, because if you stood in the front of the room, you could see there was a disconnect between what I was trying to communicate and what they would like to hear and try to be able to understand. But we talk in completely different languages, so I was unsure how to solve that problem. Yeah, that that is that is a tough problem. I, I had a gentleman in one of my courses in the Philadelphia area, he, he worked for an engineering company and he said, it dawned on him one day that he has to learn the foreign language of engineering and be able to translate right. that into accounting and be able to translate both of those into plain English to talk to the CEO to explain what is going on within the organization. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is very tricky to learn all of those languages. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny that, you know, we, we tend to, because we all speak you know, within organizations, we all speak English. And when we're mm-hmm. speaking about engineering, accounting, they are very much foreign languages to those who have no idea what we're talking about. Right. And the other thing that goes there is and when you're trying to explain something, maybe even to your staff, uh, you've got, you know, 10 plus years, you've got a lot of experience and that staff doesn't have that same depth of knowledge, but you're cursed. Because right. <laughs> you're, you're cursed. Because you're cursed with that uh-huh. knowledge, and, and it's mm-hmm. because you've got that knowledge, you don't remember. You can't unlearn what you've learned, even though how much you try to unlearn, you can't unlearn. Uh, I've tried to get some of this accounting stuff, technical stuff, out of my head, but it won't go away. It just stays in there and it hangs out. But we forgot what it was like when we first started to learn this language, and the ability, right. the ability to to recognize that and be able to put things in context that. Those who might have part of our knowledge, but be able to explain it to them so they understand and bring that conversation out of the technical side and into something a little bit more in context and analogies and however I can see that that light goes on. Exactly. So when we met, you were attending in my financial storytelling class. And you probably gave me one of the best testimonials or thank yous in an email that I think I received the next day. Uh, do, you remember, do, do you remember what you said? Yes. I, I mean, I remember generically that I, I thank you for the training because to be honest, lots of the CPEs 
that I attend, uh, you know, you're, you're in the CPE and you learn things here and there, but you're also working because there are many things maybe that they cover that you're already an expert in or, you know, things that don't necessarily pertain exactly to the industry you're in or your job at the time or things are of higher importance at the office. So I am, you know, glued in to the training a little bit and really into, um, into the work because it's hard when you're gone. No one is back at the office doing your job. So to ensure that you don't get too far behind, you're multitasking. And um, during this training was the first time that I think um, a few people on my team wondered, are you actually paying attention? Because <laughs> you're, not, you're not replying to my emails. But this was presenting to the staff was a significant area for improvement that I had for myself. So when I saw this as an option, I was excited and hoping that the presenter would be excellent and be able to help me on something that I had set for a goal to myself, a goal for myself to become better at. And I, I, I had that email, uh, and and I, I have shared it with other folks. I, I appreciate that. That that, that, that was a great. Uh, that, that that made my day, my week, my year. But then, <laughs> but then we got into the dialogue because you you asked me if there's any templates or anything like that out there that I could send to you or whatever. And at the time, there really wasn't that many templates, and and I still don't believe that there really are because each situation is so different. And that's right. when I that's when I posed to you. How about if I help you accomplish what you're trying to do with, with, with your staff and whatever, and lieu of payment, I will include this story in my book to which we agreed upon. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was a great trade. It, it really was a great trade because it was it was a lot of fun. Because I remember we, as we started talking, you you sent me a, a variety of spreadsheets and files. Oh, weren't they beautiful? It, <laughs> They were actually they were beautiful, but when I opened them, it was like an avalanche just falling out of my computer <laughs> with all these numbers and graphs and things and and you know, but it didn't it did make me start thinking, okay, so we've got this voluminous amount of information and I began mm-hmm. digging it in and looking for maybe some why did this increase versus that and trying to one trying to understand the business. And then we were right. we, started, we started talking, and you said my biggest challenge is, as you've already described, is I get up in front of them, I just plow through it, I my spread my spreadsheets my spreadsheets up there. There's a lot of numbers, and I sit down, and I don't think anybody, <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm I'm connecting with anybody in that audience because they don't speak this language. Correct. So working together. The first time that well, we went through a, different, a bunch of different processes and, and, and conversations and, and getting to the understanding because there's always stories behind the numbers, as well as mm-hmm. the more that you can uh, evoke emotion into that story about the numbers, about whatever, that helps people stay awake. That, that, that impacts right. them. Well, just, the, just the numbers and, and the data, it's... As John Medina, who wrote the book of Brain Rules, states, you know, data's boring. Numbers are boring. There's, there's nothing exciting about it versus telling that story behind those numbers. And whether you did this or your marketing people did this, when you sent me the slides that you used for your, the first time that you did this uh, mm-hmm. new, new presentation, they were, they were wonderfully done. They did mm-hmm. a great Thank job. You. And, and I believe I included a couple of them in the book. But the one thing that you did 
which which I talk about in, in the book and in the class is when you you know most people within an organization, especially managers, they kind of get the income statement, but mm-hmm. they have no idea about the balance sheet. Right. But we tend to go over the balance sheet. So I always usually say, you know, if we can avoid that, but focus on the income statement and have them understand how we become profitable and, and where, where our costs go and stuff. And you use the similar example that I had is taking a dollar bill mm-hmm. and, break, and breaking it down. Right. That was a, a huge success. People still talk about it and are excited even for the next meeting uh, to see my dollar break, breakdown. The best compliment I got was from one of the, um, she's a training employee, so she trains all of our new staff. And she said, usually when you used to get up um, in the meetings, you would smile and act like you were happy about the numbers. So I thought they must be great. I had no idea what you were saying. But since you were smiling, I thought, great, uh, Jenny's happy. What she's saying must be good. Uh, but she said, but this time when you put the dollar up there, I actually understood what you were talking about. I could understand the business, that breakdown, like you taught us in the class of a dollar, something everyone can wrap their brain around and understand. So we have Slack channel that people can give other employees high fives. And one of the employees you know, gave me a high five right away saying it was an excellent financial presentation. And um, many other people commented on it so that they were actually able to understand and know what I was talking about instead of my spreadsheet that has huge numbers, you know, lots <laughs> of commas, all these big numbers blasted on the spreadsheet that no one can understand um, what I'm saying, let alone it's not a good visual to see a spreadsheet up on a screen. No, that 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 just evokes sleep when you see a spreadsheet on yeah. on, on the <laughs> that, That's like an anesthesiologist, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, yep, it sure is. The one question I haven't asked you about you, I mean, you can read body language, and I just mm-hmm. wonder what was going through your mind when you put that dollar bill up there, and you could see the audience going, "What? This is dead." And and as you're talking, you, you, they're they're getting it. You had to mm-hmm. just giddy inside. Yes, I was I, for the first time in five years. I was excited to be doing a financial presentation <laughs> uh-huh. because uh, usually I get up there and uh, pray for it to end um, <laughs> as quickly as possible. Versus this time, I was really, you know, I was really excited to have such an engaged audience. In, in the class, we talked about less is more. We as CPAs love to give all this information, but really, if we can just give them the most important things and don't put so many words on there uh, on the slide and it has some picture with it. You were also doing some stuff with, I think you had like a word bubble that you did, and you, you also mm-hmm. had a, a real cute video, uh, and it was about explaining budgeting, I believe. Oh, right. It's that adorable girl, Mila, I think her name is. That um, her mom has her do all sorts of fun videos, and there's one that she does that says "What's a budget," um, and it's very funny. So I took a couple clips from there um, because it's cute to see in the eyes of a of a child, or um, as most people can relate to, what is a budget? <laughs> as I go up there and talk about all of those numbers. And actually, I'll put the link to that video into the show notes if anybody wants to see that because I, I thought that was brilliant. It is cute. It's very funny but it gets the point across. And mm-hmm. the, thing, the, the thing with the word bubble, what, what was that? What were, what were you trying to convey there? I think that that was when we were talking about the change between the years. And so we tried to emphasize the, the negative feelings that people were feeling when we had the big project 
So all of the stress, um, night, weekend hours, just the demanding clients coming to beat us up, and then how we were <laughs> able to change it positive and focus on um, our target clients and how we could... That's great for training the staff so that they know what to expect and can be successful for us to have great hiring, to have overall good financial success because you're able to forecast. And obviously, this that aspect had, had a huge piece in the overall morale within the organization, even though when you guys began to transition into more of the shared services type of work, there were some folks who, who liked the big shiny projects and they ended up leaving the organization, correct? Right. I think that happens um, when any company makes a change. Whatever you're passionate about, if you're passionate about um, the clients that we serve and want to do the managed services, then this is a great fit. And we have lots of um, longtime employees here and then new people excited to join the company. And then some people, their skill set, it's just a better fit for them to work on bigger companies or different type projects that excite them. And they were able to find opportunities to fulfill that as well. That's 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 great, and, and and everybody in the end ended up happy, and and the the company is moving forward. And, and are you having to take your pink bat out and say no? <laughs> uh huh. I mean, there will always be great shiny projects that come our way. That it's sometimes hard to say no uh, to things that are outside of what we're trying to focus on and do and drive. Um, but I I have to use the bat less than I used to. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I, I thought about you the other day. I was go- looking through something uh, out of Louisville Slugger, and they said for Mother's Day, uh, get her a pink bat. I went, oh, I know somebody who has yep. one of those. I do. And it says <laughs> on it, um, mess with cash, get the bash. <laughs> 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 so, yep, it is It is a great thing. Oh, that, that, that's funny. We also talked about in doing this is how do you better connect with the audience? Because that's the mm-hmm. key. You may have the best story out there, but but if you can't make that connection with them, there's still it's still going to fall on deaf ears. And, and right prior to us having a conversation, when you would come and present, and the owners would come and present this financial information or the state of the business to the rest of the organization, can you talk about uh, what people were wearing dress wise in the audience and what you guys were wearing? Sure. So our employees obviously are all over the place, um, installing hardware, software, different things um, where they could be, you know, crawling up or on the ground or different things. So they are lots of times wearing jeans or khakis, um, clothes that, you know, make sense for lots of the work they do in a polo. So jeans and a polo is a typical attire for an engineer. And then when we would come in to present for a meeting, you would think, okay, we should dress up so we look nice, we look respectable. And so I would usually wear a nice dress or suit and uh, the president would also be in a nice suit. So we thought we should dress up for the meetings and also stand behind the podium. And one of the things that hit me when during your presentation was that you should, and I think that you mentioned you had experienced this as well, uh, dress to be in line with what your staff is wearing. So now I'm always wearing, you know, five nines. Five nine gear with jeans, um, and so does uh, the president to ensure that we're better able to connect with them. We try to get out and move around. You know, standing behind the podium, especially for my nerves of presenting, was always my safe place. But like you said, get out, walk around, have it feel like you're not hiding anything, and that you're truly connecting with the audience. And I think that that's been really well received. 
Yeah, it's it's you know I it's I I've come to realize it's very important. I mean, we always want to be professionally dressed, but sometimes we need to dress like everybody else. So there's not this or oh, there there they are up on this pedestal. Right. We're just we're just the, the worker bee. Us and them. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And in my instance, I was presenting to a, a group, and I I walked in. There was somebody before me, and he was in a suit from the from the international headquarters. And I looked around, and everybody else were were in like jeans, shirts, polos. Uh, nobody was really dressed up, and I had on a, a almost like a suit. I didn't have a tie, mm-hmm. and I told myself at that, I said, "Walk out, go put on what you flew up here with, which was jeans and shoes." And but I didn't do it. And I could immediately tell when I went up there to do my presentation, they were looking at me like, "Oh my God, he's we got another suit coming up." <laughs> yep. And I body language just told me that I wasn't connecting. Nobody said anything to me afterwards, and I had to present the next day. And I changed my attire, and even mm-hmm. I even wore a sport coat up on on stage, but I took it off and rolled up my sleeves. I had about ten, fifteen people come up to me afterwards, you know, talking to me about the presentation. And I, uh, three weeks later, I got a call from that that international group and they booked me for a speaking engagement. Mm-hmm. So That's amazing. So what we wear does have an effect on making that connection with that audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I try to remember that, but I, I think because I present so much to the accounting profession that I'm usually in a sport coat, you know, I call them dress jeans and, and not blue jeans, but dress jeans and and, and, mm-hmm. and and shoes and stuff that when I present to groups that are outside of the profession, I really do ask a lot of questions to the meeting planner to figure out what's my appropriate attire to come in with. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you you have seen success, and then then you had another another quarterly meeting, and you used some different slides, and and you had a you had like two beakers pouring into some container mm-hmm. that, you, that you were talking about revenue and, and cost and how it was broken down. And yes. it, it seems to be, it, 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 it's working. It is working, yes. The pictures are doing an excellent job of telling the story instead of my spreadsheets. <laughs> so obviously, I love all of my spreadsheets and all of the data, but those are not um, what will relate and people will not be able to understand that. So what I have learned through your training and um, by actually utilizing it is that the the pictures really resonate with people. So people were having a really hard time understanding when I would say the revenue and the cogs and then, you know, that's that income and easy, <laughs> but not when you don't look at uh, an income statement and even understand. So we have new employees always starting. And so I have to remember, don't say cogs because they have no idea that you're trying to say cost of goods sold. <laughs> they don't know. You know, that's not an engineering term. So I have to remember and try to say, okay, so here's our bucket of revenue. Here's a bucket which, you know, is hopefully not nearly as full of expenses. So then when you fix them together, that's the number that makes up our net income. And so then they can kind of see how those flow together and in proportion to each other. So I try to show the difference between the two so that they can really understand the numbers and not just see the thousands and hundreds um, and millions of dollars, but that they can actually just see pictures and see um, how that works out. And that has seemed to go really well. So I'm actually planning for a meeting um, on May 22nd. And we were talking about, okay, how are we going to break down this particular item to show them where we're at on our quarterly goals and what 
what could we use? So we were joking today about using pizza or donuts or something mm-hmm. that are always well appreciated by the by the engineers. Yeah, that, that that's great. And I, I know this probably hasn't been asked to you, but but somebody in one of my classes when I was doing the dollar bill, uh, somebody said, "What, Pete? That's not correct." And, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, we've got those non-cash items that are in the expenses that really don't affect the dollar bill. How do you address that? And I, I don't. That's called advanced. Mm-hmm. That's called advanced accounting for them. <laughs> I, right. I yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to confuse them anymore and get into the whole accrual basis of accounting or anything like mm-hmm. that. And 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 yeah, we might not be given the exact detail, but as long as long as I have a, an idea, a picture, uh, 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 without confusing them, that's all they need to know. And, and you know, maybe over time, w- when they become a little bit more sophisticated in, in this knowledge that they're gaining through that, you might talk about that other stuff, but that's probably way down the road and, and, and may never come up. But, you know, the, the other aspect of being a uh, CPA and accountant is, is that precision, that accuracy, you have to kind of let that go when you're doing a, this to a group that don't have that same background that we do. You, you've got you to make it as simple and as easily understandable as possible. Right. Yep. Because the second that I say... Um, the word accrual, I think that they would automatically go straight back to their phones uh, or lose, you know, any idea as to what I was, what I was trying to say. I've done some uh, teaching accounting to non-accountants. And what I try to do when I do that is not mention the word accrual. I stay away from debits mm-hmm. and credits. I just try to keep it yep. at, a, at a very 10,000 foot aspect and, and have them just kind of understand the flow of information, the flow of what we do without getting so much into the detail because it's hard. I mean, if, it if, hard. if, if accounting was easy, everybody would be doing it. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's a complex language. And the more that we can translate that and, and put it in context as you're doing with, with the dollar bill example or, or how we're mixing this or pizza, whatever that visual aspect of it, that's going a long way in for them just having an understanding. And that's really all you want is for the whole organization to understand how you operate, how you drive revenue. and what things that we do uh, that takes away from that revenue and even to the extent of benefits that we, we provide the organization. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, yep, that was a great eye-opener to show them as a, you know, when you break down the dollar bill, the large percentage um, is salaries and then show them another great percentage is benefits and how that even compares to our tools because we obviously, to be a successful company, have a lot of technical tools to provide to our clients. And so it was really cool and a great eye-opener for them to see, um, you know, six cents of every dollar what we spend on tools. And that's the same amount that we spend on all of these excellent benefits that we provide to you. Um, I think that's a really great way to break it down. Yes. And I remember you sharing that with me about the, the benefits and you had it benchmarked. And basically, you guys are way above that benchmarking norm and, and what you give and benefits to your associates. And I think after you said that, I asked you, can I apply for a job? <laughs> you did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> that, I mean, that in this day and age, uh, how much of health insurance and all this other stuff that you guys cover, I, I hopefully mm-hmm. now they, they understand that, man, we're, we've got a great benefit here that, that mm-hmm. maybe we, we didn't recognize for a while. 
Right. Because just when I go up there and would inform them, we spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on insurance. Okay. You know, that's hard to wrap your brain around versus to show it as a breakdown compared to a dollar and say, you know, of this dollar, this amount of money goes to your benefits and all of these tools, what we need for our clients. And um, that was really a much better way for me to present it and for them to understand and really appreciate all of the great things that Five Nines offers. Yeah, you've you got from what I've what I've been able to ascertain from you as well as research. You you, you got a very cool company, mm-hmm. and they've been very successful. And it looks like they're going to maintain that success for, for quite a long time and, and and grow as well. Yes, I think we have great growth potential, and it is a very co- fun company with a great culture. Fun? You said accountant said fun. Mm-hmm. CPA said fun. <laughs> Oh man! Once every blue moon, right? <laughs> Once every moon, <laughs> exactly. Um, is it, so as you're as you're moving forward, are, are you thinking about? And you kind of alluded to this a little bit. What are we going to do next? Because we can't keep showing that same dollar bill. We've got to break it up and, and show it in different ways. Have you begun to think about maybe some other ways of presenting this information? Whether it be visually, whether it be through uh, creating a video or some other type of vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're, I'm always trying to analyze what pieces of information they're looking for and then how we would break it down so that they can understand it. So um, I'm always just kind of listening to them, trying to interpret their questions as to what's the true meaning of this question, what details do I need to present to them so that they can understand the company or their role or that financial line and be successful with the decisions that they make. But that's always hard to do left brain, right brain, and (laughs) try to put the numbers into something that I can communicate clearly. So the dollar bill has definitely set me up for success to figure out new ways to break down information so that people can interpret it and understand it and make decisions that are engineering decisions um, that they're better able to have the dollars and cents to do that. Well, that's absolutely great. And I, I wish you guys the best of luck. I, I wish you tons of, 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 of luck and not so much luck of, of this, this, <laughs> oppor- this opportunity uh, to, to help the company grow through the way of communicating the financial information uh, to them as well as to the owners and stuff. Because you know, you've got a lot of different audiences that you have to report to. As well as I can't thank you enough for allowing me to take your company and yourself and, and take this information and have it be part of my book. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And I look forward to seeing you hopefully in September. But I did tell you that once the book comes out, I, I will be sending you guys copies. And if it happens to be around the time that I'm out there, I'll hand deliver them to your office. That would be wonderful. I've talked very highly of you. And so I know that the owners... Um, who have also complimented my financial presentations would be very excited uh, to meet the person who actually uh, gave me the confidence and uh, the background to be able to present to the staff. That's great. And um, I I can't wait till our paths cross again very soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to thank Jenny again for sharing her story on how she transformed her financial presentation into an event that was a huge success to the entire organization. You see, when you take the num out of numbers, it leaves you with errs. Effective, relatable stories, which is the confidence and the clarity. In episode seven, my guest is Kara Saletto, who's the author of The Millennial Mindset, What's Next in HR, 
and her most recent book, Staying Power, Why Your Employees Leave and How to Keep Them Longer. This episode will be available on July 23rd. Thank you for listening and begin the process of changing your mindset and getting out of your comfort zone and develop new skill sets to become more future ready. Your call to action is to look at your financial presentation and ask yourself, is it time for a change? If so, give me a call or send me an email. I would love to help you. Remember, part of being future ready is becoming an improviser. So go improvise your way to success. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.